You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? Here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the New Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Uh, a lot of people were talking about last week about the uh, special guest. There isn't one. Um, <laughs> it was. We only have an hour. We only, it's a it's a fucking it's a busy week. We got. We, I, I'm sorry. You know, I know a lot of people expect two plus three hours of of name redacted. Uh, but we uh, we're up against clock today tonight. I mean, people's schedules are, are crazy this week. Um, we were supposed to record last night, but me being a leader, a fearless leader of men, I said, you know what, you guys enjoy your Valentine's Day with your ladies. Uh, how was how was your Valentine's Day, T Dog? I took care of my shoddy. Oh, what did you? That, oh, what that's did what you, I did, baby. What did you, we, did you take her to the ninety nine? Nah, I'll be real. So we're celebrating this weekend. So we only went to Chick Fil A last night. You took her to Chick Fil A? Yes. Well, she drove. I sat in the passenger seat. I'll drive on Saturday when we go into the city. You know what? I got. I got. I got to take normalize men sitting in the passenger seat. I, I feel want to like be a passenger princess. Every time, like you're in a couple, right? And it's like. The men feel like I've got to drive because I'm the man and then it would be emasculating to sit in the passenger seat while my lady drive. Like, no, sometimes like sometimes I just want to sit there while you drive. I mean, I like uh, I, I feel like that's it should be a no pun intended. It should be a two way street. Oh, that was a bar. But mm-hmm. no, I agree. And I, you know, kind of like to be the ox guy. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of projects as everyone likes to make fun tons of, me of for projects. It. And what, what project did you throw on for uh, the trip to Chick-fil-A? <laughs> uh, I won't lie. It, it was nothing too special there. I've been listening to the new Kanye album. It just came and got ripped off everything streaming wise. But uh-huh. I was trying to bump it. I wanted to see what was going on. Not overly impressed, but Burn is pretty fire for the people who heard it. Okay. I, I feel like I, I feel like it's problematic to support Kanye West now, is it not? People are over that. I wasn't saying I'm supporting anything he's saying, but I always check out the work that comes out. Okay. So you can separate the the man from the music. I try to, yes. Okay. What's the name of the project? Vultures won. Like the vultures won the battle or like vultures, there's one of them numerous. There's one and they're going to be one. releasing over time. Oh, so he's, there's going to be more than one vulture. Correct. Got it. Okay. Uh, Jake, how was your Valentine's Day? That was good. I had a good time. Um, I, w- I would like to say I really appreciate Tyler just coming right out and saying it like I'm piping on Valentine's Day. Like that's just, <laughs> yeah. you don't see a lot of forward facing media members just calling it like it is. So no. props to T-Dog for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I did complete the mission. Um, but yeah, there'll be more. It'll be continued on Saturday. <laughs> I, l- I chose Chick-fil-A because that's my healthy alternative when I'm not eating a meal at home. Yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that. Uh, I also did a, I don't know if you guys saw this, I did a little little Instagram launch yesterday. I didn't know if you were going to talk about this, but I was a little surprised. Yeah, I did a little Instagram launch yesterday. That's the first time I've posted a picture with a girl that I was seeing in 10 years. <laughs> so when you did this, did you ask for approval or did you just do it as a surprise to her no, as well? I just fucking fired that thing off. I was Damn. just like, it's time. Yeah. Did you know before yesterday you were going to do it? No. It just felt right. It just felt right. 
you're turning into a simp. I love this. Yeah, I just was like, you know what? My boys, I got I to gotta let them have Valentine's Day off. So it's the day of love. And I was just like, you know what? 10 years feels like enough time to be dormant in the in the public space, the relationship public space. So um, I just felt that it was right. You know, can I ask, did you engage in any, you know, I'm not going to say piping. I know damn well Jake also piped. It's Jake. Come on. Did you engage in any adult activities? Yeah, we went to dinner. Uh, We started a new Netflix show. It's not a new show, but it's new to us. Um, and then she got me a pair of underwear with her face on it. Oh, yeah. It's like all over. It's like a bunch of her faces, like all over, like the boxers. Are you wearing them right now? I am. <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Have we seen those on social or no? Is that more of a private thing? I'll show you guys. Jake, blur this out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll show you guys. I got no problem showing you guys but i feel liberated you know it's uh it's nice to it's nice to you know dabble in the public space let let the public know share share off bay you know are we going to get more over time is this going to be kind of you know like the soft launch you put it out there Mm -hmm. are we going to see eventually pictures of you guys you know front forward maybe i don't know because like i feel like uh the internet is full of mean people and I don't want to subject her to that. Like, I feel like like even just uh, the other day, right? Like there was like rumors because of the uh, the DraftKings and Barstool partnership. There was like, oh, does that mean that Kravis is going back to Barstool and blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah, then there was like a thread and it was just all very mean shit. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I forgot. Yeah, like. There's just a lot of mean people out there. So I was like, you know what? I'll keep uh, the personal life over here. We'll keep the professional life over here. But that's not to say that I can't be like, hey, it's Valentine's Day and and I got a bay. Like, shout out bay. You know? All I'm saying is if we did like a socks appeal kind of thing at Fenway Park, mm-hmm. my girl, your girl, Jake's girl. Yeah. It, I think it would be hot. It'd be different. Yeah. Could be. I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not opposed to a triple date. At Fenway, I'd love to do that. Where do you make out at Fenway? Oh man! <laughs> what? Is that too much? I, 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 I didn't know if I could reference it without referencing it. You just said it though. I know, but I didn't know if he just play along like that wasn't a conversation we had before. <laughs> Cut that out, Jake. Cut, Cut that, that out. out, Jake. <laughs> Christ. <clears throat> so Jared, where do you make out at Fenway Park? Um, you know what? Uh I'm not a big PDA guy. I'm a, I'll hold hands in public guy. I'll, I'll hold hands in public guy. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. honestly I kind of agree with you as well. Martha wishes I was a little more PDA bratty, touchy. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a little love at Fenway Park. Yeah. I'll I don't, know, I don't know how much I don't know how much love is gonna be at Fenway Park this summer. We're going to try and bring as much love to Fenway Park as we can. I feel like because you, you promised me that you would be more involved. Personally, in person, you promised me that. 
we are going to spend so much time together in the next six months. You're going to hate me. You're going to despise me by the end of it. I don't I'll be excited about that. I would be very excited if we got to if, if by October, because I think our season will end. I don't know when the last game of the regular season is, but when our season ends on, let's call it October 1st. No, Cora said we're playing 170 plus this year, Jerry. He said that that was the goal. That's what we're shooting for. Yeah, that's the goal. That doesn't mean. I mean, put it this way. I don't know what your early impressions are of these spring training press conferences. I texted you my thoughts during the Breslow one. I'll say it here. Breslow, I mean, my God, very intelligent man, but he has mastered the art of saying absolutely nothing while using hundreds of words to do it. Like, I, I mean, they'll ask this guy a question straight up and he answered none of the questions, none of them. Like, I get that there's some things that you can't talk about. Like, I'm not saying, why didn't you address, you know, Jordan Montgomery being a free agent? Like, why won't you speak specifically about certain free agent cases? I get that. I get that you're not going to talk about trades or teams that you're talking to or players that might be involved. I get all that. But I mean, he answered nothing as far as like. But I guess, you know, it's it's damned if you do, damned if you don't, because whoever it was, was it fucking uh, douchebag P. Dave that wrote the the did he have a, a interview with Breslow where everyone tore apart the quotes in the globe? Was that? Yeah. Was that from the, back in January. What was it? January yeah. when they first started to reveal their hand after the, yeah. you know, renewal date for season tickets. Yeah. And it was like, all right. Yeah. Like y- if you're too honest, fans don't want to hear that. But then if you don't answer the question, fans are going to be like, you don't answer the question. So. Yeah, I mean, he's in a tough spot, but I mean, goddamn, like that first Alex Cora <laughs> meeting with the media, the big takeaway there is, hey, thanks for everything, AC. It's been a great <laughs> run. I love you. Uh, you've changed my life. I'll miss you. But it couldn't be more clear that he is fucking out of here as as soon as this season is over. He is just like, yep. Fucking, I don't know. I don't know where my next stop is, but it's not going to be here. The fact that like he couldn't even pretend to be interested in the job beyond this season. Like, I forget. Like, do you have the exact quote in front of you? Please, please, please. Does managing the Red Sox beyond 24 appeal to Cora? Or that was how it was framed in the article. He responded, I don't want to talk about that right now. And then he just skipped. Now, I do want to make clear if you listen through the whole thing, right? He did talk about what the organization meant to him He goes this organization gave me a chance to become a big league manager in the fall of 2017 and then more surprisingly and i take it by heart after the suspension they gave me a chance to come back right after that i appreciate that i never thought i was going to be back managing as soon as i did after the mistake that i made and for that we appreciate that and i think you look at that right there and that's why he's going to manage this year for you that's why Alex core is still here at this point in time it's not why he's going to sign an extension during spring training At the end of the day, when you see managers who are on the hot seat, they wear that shit. They are tired. You know, everyone remembers when John Farrell was kind of wearing it. Cora asked like, hey, you feel any pressure? Nah, not at all. You know why? Because either things are going to go lose. Yeah, things are either going to go completely off the rails and maybe they say we're going to cut you loose in July or August. Awesome. No one's going to blame me for it. I get to start my job hunt early. We somehow overachieve. I'm making even more money. Like I'm going to smash that Craig Council contract. But to me, the thing that spoke the loudest about Alex Cora in all this is when he talked about what happened to him last year, the weight gain, how he felt mentally, 
all those things. Imagine your manager, the guy that you were trying to offer a front office job, you know, back what, six months ago now, whatever it was that he had to turn you down for. He told you, you know, the expectations, the way the team was, everything that was going on, it kind of broke me. He told you when Alex Verdugo didn't show up to the ballpark on time, that was his worst day as Red Sox manager, right? Well, great. Now that he's gone through that two years in a row, you're telling him, hey, this year might be even worse, man. You thought the <laughs> yeah. last two years broke you? Yeah. Watch what we're going to fucking do to you now. We're going to make you hate your life. Yeah. And credit to him, he's gotten his body right. You know, he's down 30 plus pounds. He looks like player days Alex Cora. But yeah, for him, why would you feel any type of way? Because he was deceived like the rest of us. And I think that's become pretty clear to everyone. Yeah. I think that like it goes up the the ladder. Like I think Tom Warner was deceived. I think he said full throttle because he genuinely believed that that was the plan until it wasn't. So you look at the Alex Cora situation and for better or for worse, that is going to be the running storyline of the year is Alex Cora. And is he coming back? I, I think the odds are tremendously against that at this Give me a point percentage. that he's managing the Boston Red Sox next year. Yes. 10%? That's sad. That's right? miserable. I don't disagree but, with you. But it's your it's to what you were just saying though. Like, when when they ask him the question, you know, are you bothered the fact that you don't have a contract? He's like, no. Why would I be bothered? Because A, uh either we're going to suck when everyone expects us to suck, we're going to meet expectations, or we're going to exceed expectations. I will get credit for that. I'm going to be up for manager of the year. If we end up making the playoffs, like I'll automatically be in that conversation. And if we do make the playoffs, well, guess what? Now I can go to another team that's looking for a manager. I'm going to make a big fat payday out of this. Uh, I'm going to have my choice of the open options pretty much. So he's sitting pretty right now. And I think he's just had enough of the bullshit. Like like he is uh, in, in lockstep with this fan base. Like if you're a fan of the Red Sox and you feel lied to and then you feel insulted because you were called a liar or you feel like uh, your organization is failing you because they did not put forth an honest effort to build a championship contender this offseason. I'm pretty sure Alex Cora has got to feel the same way as you. Like he's sitting there being like, I did not come back for a rebuild. I did not come back to be a babysitter. I did not come back to deal with this bullshit of losing season after losing season or not even losing. I mean, like they could win 80 something games and still fucking finish in last place. Like that's how good the AL East is. Like they could win 82 games and finish in last or whatever. Uh, And I I said that about last year's team too. I feel the same way about this year's team. They're not going to suck. They're not going to suck. You're not going to sit there being like, this is a a 60-something win team. This is a 90-something loss team. I don't think that they're that. But could they finish in last place again? Absolutely. It's the most likely scenario that they finish in last place. And if you're Alex Cora, you'll be like, yeah, I I didn't sign up to sit through three straight last place seasons. That was not part of the plan. That was not what I was told was going to happen here when I came back from the suspension. And again, it's like, I get what he's doing. I get what he's saying. 
when he's thankful and he's grateful for the opportunity that the Red Sox gave him to come back and manage in this league. But you're an idiot if you think the Red Sox were the only team that was going to give him that opportunity. Like A.J. Hinch immediately got an opportunity with the Detroit Tigers. It's like the, the Houston Astros, that was the epicenter of the cheating scandal. So they had to move on from A.J. Hinch. The Red Sox did not have to move on from Alex Score. They were like, all right, that happened in Houston. He moved on. He's sorry about it. So we're bringing him back because he helped us win a World Series title and there was no cheating that happened in 2018 in the playoffs uh so it's like yeah i get that you want to be grateful and i get that you are want to give back for the opportunity that they gave you to manage but like i'll say what he's not saying i would have gotten an opportunity somewhere and it probably would have been the same year so it's like i'm not gonna let you hang this over my head forever that you gave me this opportunity to come back because i would have gotten it anyway presumably around the same time. Like I wouldn't have had to wait for it either. Maybe so, like, a year. Thank you. Maybe a yeah. year difference. But like, really, like I don't even think it would have been that. Like, I really think it would have been like, okay, uh, you know, the Red Sox are trying to take this moral high ground here and they're going to move in a different direction. That's fine. All right. Same well, now point. I manage the fucking Anaheim Angels. It is what it is. Like I'm back in the game and, and I'm managing in Major League Baseball again. The other thing too, that, and I've said this before. I, I can't remember if it was on here or it might have been section 10, but it was making the point that I, like I remember talking to Cora during the 2020 season when he was suspended. He was still back in Puerto Rico watching the games on TV being and he would refer to the Red Sox as we as us, you know, like it was still like he was in it. You know, it wasn't like, oh, man, they, they fired me for that shit. Fuck them. Like, I'm, I can't even stomach watching Red Sox baseball. And I'm not a part of that organization anymore. So, like, they need to be better at this. And they need to do this in a different way. It was, we need to be better. And, like, we need to do this. Like, it was still, like, he was still in it. Like, he never, even though he wasn't employed by the team, his heart was still in it. So, for him to have gone through all that stuff and now potentially a third straight last place season, which would be four out of five years. Like you wasted half a fucking decade of one of the best managers in Red Sox history. Like you had one of the best to ever be in the dugout for this organization. And you wasted half a decade of his tenure when he straight up told you, I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to do this for a long time. Like I'm not in this for the long haul. I'm kind of in it for a short burst. And then you took that information and didn't put a contender on the field for half a fucking decade. That's crazy. So when it like, if you, I don't think that there's a large portion of Red Sox nation that's sitting there being like, man, like I, I feel like Alex isn't in it this year. And like, oh, if he doesn't want to be here, then fuck him. I don't think anyone's saying that. I think they're saying, you know what, dude, I'm with you. Like, I wish I could leave, but I'm married to this team. You don't have to be here. Like you go save yourself. Go find an organization that appreciates what you can bring to the table. I am a lifelong suffering Red Sox fan, so I'm fucking stuck here until I die. But I hope that you find a lifeboat and you 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 end up going to an island where you're appreciated. And you look at it and what's going to play next. It's like that next contract is it for him. Like you said, he brought up Tony La Russa and Tito specifically again, like made the point to say, you know, I am not those guys. And that's where I kind of looked at like what Craig Breslow was saying, where, you know, he's asked, do you think this is going to be a distraction this year? And he's like, no, you know, it's only a distraction if we basically allow it to be. 
There's nothing else to pay attention here. There's no distraction. There's no pieces you got or roster you built up to kind of get everyone away from it. So that awful fucking feeling that we had on this podcast that in Red Sox Twitter where we sat about Xander Bogarts and we knew it was coming and it was all that ever came up almost every single episode. What's going to happen with Xander? We started playing the same game with Rafi, right? Is he going to be here? Or are they going to pay him? Now we will do that with Alex Cora. And if this team falls out of the race early, how much of a common theme that's going to be? Because there's not going to be anything you can really talk about with the team that's going to get people you know, tuning in or that's going to reach a big audience. It's going to be what is the future? What's going to happen next? Well, great. Everything that you're trying to move forward with, the guy who's the biggest face of the franchise right now, someone who's still so key with the players, he's not going to be here. So all these guys, they are looking at a manager and they're probably thinking, Man, like who knows what's going to even be here a year from now? Like that kind of disfigures all of that team bonding and that team chemistry and all those things. It's hard to feel like your feet are really in the mud for a long time. Now you can really get settled. So yeah, that constant uneasy feeling, we're going to just live with that, (laughs) at least for the next six months. And we'll probably have to relive it when we're watching the Netflix special next February. On top of it all, just to add salt in the wounds, we'll be watching, oh, you know, now that Cora's in this spot, this is how it really went down. And I'd wonder, the only thing I would say that could leave the door open for Cora, and maybe he would just say, I'll take a year off. I'd be surprised given his statements. But if there's not an opening for him, that makes a ton of sense. Because at the end of the day, where the Red Sox are, they are still spending $200 million. I'm not trying to justify anything, but there is still you know, 10 teams basically that spend at that amount and up. Now, you're not acting like the big market team you need to, but are any of those other jobs going to open up? I think we all point to the Dodgers and Dave Roberts. Okay, well, what happens if the Dodgers just live up to the hype this year and they get it done? And it's that's not the job. What is next? It's Aaron Boone in New York, maybe. Like, besides those two spots, what else is really going to offer you what Alex Core is looking for, or at least more money or, you know, team building than he's had right now? I'm just annoyed. <laughs> like, it sucks. It's so I'm annoyed. Sad. I'm annoyed that I'm annoyed because I feel like. This should be the time of the year that there's a hard reset and refresh. And I've made this point on earlier podcasts about how that's how it should be. Like you show up to spring training and you can kind of wash away the year before. I feel like you you can't wash away the last five years is what I'm talking about. Like it goes back to the Mookie trade. Like I go all the way back to before 2020 trading Mookie bets. I understand that 2021, you came up for a, a a breath of fresh air. That was nice. That was a lot of fucking fun. I loved that team so much. But everything outside of that since winning the World Series has been dog shit. And like it, it, it's all kind of like it, different cases in a way. 2019 was very forgettable, but you went into that season thinking we could go back to back. Like we're running it back with kind of the same roster and uh, the vibes feel like this is the start of something incredible. And it wasn't. 2020 was the worst season of baseball maybe ever with the Boston Red Sox. 21, like I mentioned, breath of fresh air. 2022, it's like, I mean, it's almost like, like, what do you remember from 2022? Like, what was like? I I I remember Xander talk. And there yeah. was Trevor Story coming in, right? So you had the Trevor Story storyline. It was like, it holy was Chris crap. Sale breaking his fucking finger and falling off the bike. Like, it was just a bad news bears. And then last year was Ken, 38 year old <laughs> Justin Turner, will this team to the playoffs? And uh, 
you know, Verdugo getting suspended for not showing up on time. Like, it's, I, I'm just tired of the bullshit. Like, I, I just want to be excited about my baseball team. And then you show up this year. And, and I remember going back to spring training last year. Like, we were kind of excited for the 2023 Red Sox season. Like, we were talking about listened. the vibes. Like, we were saying, oh, like, you know, people, like, changing things up. Kenley Jansen's in here. Justin Turner's in here. Kike's happy. He's got his friends back. And it was just like, it felt like that was the team that, I mean, how often have there been Red Sox teams where, like, this team is going to suck? And then they don't. It felt like last year could have been one of those teams. And maybe it could have with the right moves at the deadline. Maybe they could have been that if if certain injuries didn't take place. Maybe they could have been that. I'm not here to do the what if thing. With this team. You finished in last place last year. You didn't get better. You're you're worse than you were last year. And then you kind of look at like some of the rumors that are going on here. And you're like. How am I supposed to get excited for this season when you're coming off back to back last place? You're worse than you were last year. And all the rumors, the rumors are not, hey, they're going to go get Jordan Montgomery. The rumors are they're going to trade their fucking closer Wait. or maybe their starting left fielder who's good enough to be an everyday center fielder. Like, that's where we're at. Like, we're basically the the season hasn't even started yet. And mentally, we are at the end of July in last place. Already it feels like we're selling. We're, we're, we're getting selling. ready to sell. We're selling. And it's fucking February 15th. That's crazy. Like, I don't remember a time in my life as a Red Sox fan where I don't even have a chance to get excited about this season because we're coming into spring training day one as sellers. <laughs> like, oh, my God. It's Fuck. all time. Yeah, it's all time bad vibes when Kenley Jansen walks in like, hey, Kenley, like, what do you think of this year's team? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're going to make the playoffs? He goes, you never know, right? <laughs> I think we've just got to work hard. It's like, damn, man, like, that's what we're hearing here. And I yeah. think, you know, that's the result of seeing your name in trade rumors. And now he has the lat soreness. So this is going to be a storyline as we continue to play things along here. But even a year ago, like you had the excitement of Yoshida where you could be like, Dude, we've never seen this guy over here. You know, we're coming off the WBC and all that stuff. It's like, holy crap, he just balled out over there. You don't have that. And the truth is, you could at least have some of those feelings that a Justin Turner brought, you know, a year ago, if you were willing to just spend a little bit more money than where you're at. If you were willing to get, you know, close to the luxury tax, obviously you're nowhere near it. You're still $36 million under. And, you know, Kenley kind of said it himself. He's like, damn, you know, trading Chris Sale and there's no problem with that move but in a vacuum we realize now that it's all kind of pointed towards them taking a step back he's like not bringing back Justin Turner all these guys thought they were playing to take a leap forward starting that year and the next year things were going to bang that's why you signed Kenley Jansen to a two-year deal that's why you signed Chris Martin to a two-year deal it's why Heim Bloom and the entire front office you know before he got fired were all in the mindset like we're about to go like now we're really about to turn it up this is the path forward it's all been drawn back. And now you're just looking at a team that is considering selling rentals. Chris Martin's name is now coming up as well. You know, he got a Cy Young vote last year. His value is never going to be higher. And I tell you with Kenley, those guys, there's no reason for them to be on the team right now. There's not because you're not trying to seriously compete. So why are you keeping, you know, mid 30 relievers and higher on your roster? It's not going to change anything for you. At the end of the day, commit forward and say, you know what? This year, 
we're just going to try to build up the farm system, let those young guys take a step forward, which Breslow highlighted when asked about making the playoffs this year. Just commit to it. Don't fucking straddle the line here and hold on to these guys until the deadline. Because I watched Ken Lee have 8,000 different little things pop up over the course of last year. Is Chris Martin going to post a one ERA again? Probably not, right? That's probably not realistic. So at least lean all the way in one direction. Stop walking in this awful purgatory of mediocrity. It's so boring. It gives fans nothing. At least if you said, screw it, we're going to sell these pieces off and we're just going to have the best farm in baseball and watch what happens, I could feel something. If you went and signed a bunch of one-year deals and said, we're going to flip all these guys at the deadline, that's what we're going to do. They're not even willing to go that far. Like, show me that care to improve the future and just flip those guys. No, because you're going to be cheap. So here you go. You're going to get a very meh baseball team and we're going to hope the young guys step forward and you know, the three big names we have in the farm system all continue to grow. It's it's very depressing. And I can't fake it. I That's how I am in real life. Like, I can't fake it with with anyone for any reason. Like, if I don't like you, I can't pretend to. Uh, if I'm not having a good time at a party, I'm not going to pretend that I'm having a good time. Like, you're just going to know that I want to leave. And with this Red Sox season, that's how I feel right now. Like, these Nesson commercials that are going to be coming out once the season starts. Like if they're fucking, you know, 13 games out of first place and they're in last place going into May and then they've got like a, a series against the Yankees coming up. It's like the rivalry, Red Sox, Yankees, blood, guts, war, the return of Alex Verdugo to Fenway. You got to tune in. I'm going to be like, I don't care. You think <laughs> like, Alex Verdugo care. wishes he was here looking at what's going on right now? You think Alex <laughs> Verdugo wants to be on this team? He's like, no, I'm going to chase a friggin' World Series this year. And yeah. Say what you will about Marcus Stroman, hearing the way he was talking, you know, just about like, damn, man, what this year is about for us, we're trying to win it all. That's what we care about. Like, there's not even a sense of that for the Red Sox, and it's reality. Now, I guess the question for a lot of people, do you, do you like Craig Breslow just kind of saying what it is for the most part? Obviously, a lot of word salad, but he's not feeding you the the more Heim Bloom way, where I think it was a little bit more endearing, a little bit more of a connection, I guess, with fans. You know, it felt like he talked to you from an emotional standpoint a little bit more. It feels like Breslow, like, for the most part, cards are on the table. Like, this is where they are. You know, playoffs, I'm not going to give you any kind of promise or anything like that. It's just about taking a step forward. Like, what do you prefer? I don't really know. But at the end of the day, I'll tell you, it's boring. It's mediocrity. And I want to be chasing more than that. That's what all Red Sox fans want. And that's where you should be. That's where you promised we were going to be. And we're nowhere near that. Yeah. I just want direction. And that's like, why those one-year deals, like, okay, you're going to try to compete, right? Stay someone in it. But at the very least, you're going to sell these pieces off and just jack up your farm system and accelerate the clock. Instead, it just feels like they're sitting on their hands and saying... Meyer, Teal, Anthony, we're waiting. Like, let's see what happens. Like, it, try to accelerate it at the bare fucking minimum here. Mm -hmm. That's it. Just give a little push. Don't just say, man, like, we don't have that any more money to spend. And this isn't me blaming Breslow, right? Like, at the end of the day, the money you have in front of you is the money you have in front of you. But that's where I think the big Craig Breslow quote came out, right? And people were trying to d dissect it. It's, we can appreciate that things haven't come together in maybe a way that I anticipated. How do you take that? Um, <clears throat> I think they probably thought that they would have been able to make more trades that didn't come together or maybe asking prices were higher than they anticipated or 
players that they thought were trade ships of theirs didn't have as much value in other organizations as they thought that they would have. It's probably a combination of all that because, I mean, he came in guns blazing in that introductory press conference being like, we're not going to be afraid to make the big trade. And it's like, you didn't do shit. <laughs> like you fucking, you traded Chris Sale for Vaughn Grissom. And it's like, all right, yeah. Like, okay, you solidified a position that's been a revolving door for six years. That's good. But is that like when we went into the off season, was everyone like, man, if the Red Sox could just sure up second base, <laughs> then we'll really be cooking with gas. Like, no, no one fucking said that. Like no one was pointing to the second base, but like, it's just not, it wasn't even on the radar for things that the Red Sox had to address to get back on track. It was starting pitching. It was <clears throat> getting certain guys healthy, but everyone pointed to that rotation being like, man, they got to fucking, they got to dump some big cash on some starting pitching or make a trade for a frontline guy. And you instead traded a frontline guy for a second baseman. Like it's, you took away from the rotation and did not add back to it uh, other than adding Lucas Giolito, which like, okay, like you have an innings guy, but like, what if his ERA is like pushing five, you know, like when, when so I read your, I read your piece um, on 98, five, the sports. Oh, Hub. is this the psychoanalysis you had for me? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, guess I can throw it in there. I do have it pulled up right here. Um, <clears throat> you did have a, a piece on 98.5thesportshub.com uh, about some of the uh, projections. Projection. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going up and down the rotation here, like no one is projected to ball out this year. Like for as much as we're excited about uh, Brian Bayo. And how Red Sox Twitter has dubbed Cutter Crawford like the next coming of Pedro Martinez. All right, all right. Uh, like, uh, it's just, there's not, looking at the projected numbers, there's really nothing to be like, man, I can't wait to see that. Like, they're, they're, it's all just like mid-force. Like, that's it. And I think that's where you get, and now this is like the kind of coping time of the year where you see people trying to find like, oh, well, if you, if it breaks that way, if it breaks this way, like if you could just put Jordan Montgomery at the top, everything slots in. And you're like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. But unfortunately, everyone's being pushed up a level, right? Like at the end of the day, you have that fifth starter spot undecided. In a perfect world, it's probably Cutter Crawford, right? Kind of going in and a guy who showed a lot of promise last year, I think has flashed some ability to be a good number four starter in this league. Well, no, now he's pushed up. Nick Pavetta is now your number three, a guy who, yes, dominated for a majority of last year. But if I told you that guy was your number three going into the offseason, you'd cry. You'd legit sob. And then you're banking on Lucas Giolito and you're banking on Brian Bayo becoming an ace this year. That's asking for so much out of these guys. There's just way too many things that have to go right for you to be where you need to be. Here's here's our man on Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta I am excited to see what a full season of like Nick Pavetta 2.0 looks like because I feel like the narrative around Pavetta for for many years now has been he is what he is. That's not true. Nick Pavetta adding a sweeper last year changed Nick Pavetta like he was fucking nasty. But I think where you would want to get excited for something like that. Like you saying that he's the number three starter kind of like makes me, you know, it's like, it's that's depressing. It's like you would want to have your rotation set with three dogs, like one, two, three, bang, 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 like Cole, Rodon, Stroman. And instead it's like, if Pavetta is the, like you want 
you want to have three dudes at the top to slot Pavetta down to the four, the five. So it, it gives you that extra length where it's like we get guaranteed three dudes. And then what if at number four, like Pavetta is that fucking guy? Like, look at that rotation. But it's just not that. Um, and there's two arms in there in Pavetta in Giolito who could be perfect trade candidates at the deadline. Like Pavetta is going to be a free agent next year unless they lock up an extension this spring. And I don't think that's out of the question, but more likely than not. Right. He goes into the season and plays it out with the chance to earn some serious money. You'd probably flip him like as long as he, if he's anywhere close to what he was this past year, you're easily flipping him. You're going to try to get whatever you can. And the same goes for Giolito. If he looks like the guy he was, why wouldn't you trade him? Because he's not going to pick up that player option. No. So like then it's like, all right, well, it's Brian Bayo. Cutter Crawford and whoever wins the battle out of Whitlock or Hulk. And I will say Garrett Whitlock looks good, but I'm terrified. Absolutely terrified to see what happens to him here. You know, it's nice to see what he looks like. And he's so far ahead of schedule now bulked up a little bit. What's it going to look in two or three weeks as the workload kind of goes up? Are we going to have some of the scares we've had the past couple of years? I don't know. <laughs> this fucking team, man. Tell you what. The only thing that's going to get me through this season is Blue Moon. Lots Thank God for Blue Moon. I got the blue lights on for Blue Moon right now. You're looking blue. Thank you. It's a compliment where I'm from. Even if you love beer, there are some moments you want to enjoy without the alcohol. Celebrate those times with Blue Moon's new non-alcoholic Belgian white, Belgian-style wheat brew. It's for when you want to drink your favorite beer without the alcohol. Uh, had my family over for the uh, Super Bowl. We were uh, passing around the Blue Moons, the non-alcoholic option, always available here at the Carabas residence. Um, but, you know, we've got Blue Moon for days. We have Blue Moon in glass bottles. We have Blue Moon in uh, the can. We have Blue Moon non-alcoholic. We have uh, the uh, Blue Moon. There's like keg? seltzers. Huh? You have a keg? No, but be on the lookout. Whoa. Yeah. Ben, yeah. Because there, I'm probably going to put a bar in here and talking to the developer right now about having the ability to put a keg in there. I've always wanted to do like the upside down thing. It's called no, a keg stand. Yeah. I want to do one of those. Dork. Dork? You, know you never done one? Is? I have done a keg. I know what it's called. You, you didn't know what it's called. I, I'm not a party guy. I don't be but doing alcohol. never been to college. <laughs> I did go to wouldn't, college. wouldn't say I have an education. I was a commuter. Fuck you. I was too. All right. Well, I know Mr. What a party. Stand is. I, I actually, want you to keg stand me. I Blue want you to Moon, hold me up. Blue Moon gave me uh, a bar tap so I can, you know, it'd yeah. be exciting. Like that? No. That's like the fizziness when it's like mm -mm. coming all in your mouth. No, I didn't. No, it's just no. <laughs> no. Inspired by the beer that you already love and available year round, a Belgian white Belgian style wheat brew that tastes like drinking, even if it's not crafted with Valencia orange peel and coriander. It tastes balanced and refreshing. Nothing compares to the great taste of a Blue Moon, a non-alcoholic Belgian white, Belgian style wheat brew. Blue Moon made brighter. Get Blue Moon, non-alcoholic Belgian uh, style wheat brew delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared for delivery options. 
That is get.bluemoonbeard.com slash J-R-J-A-R-E-D. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Non-alcoholic malt beverage contains less than 0.5% alcohol per volume. Whew. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Your, uh, your psychoanalysis. What was I going to say before that? There was something else that I was kind of saving. It was kind of off topic a little bit. What the fuck was I going to say? Red Sox related? Maybe. You want me to buy you a second here? A what now? You want me to buy you a second? Why? What do you got? I was just going to say, while we talk about the rotation, it's not saying that these guys can't break out, but when mm-hmm. you need so many things to go right for every single guy, it's just such a thin margin for error for them. And it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to put that kind of pressure on Brian Bayo in his second full year or Cutter Crawford in his second full year starting. Like it's a ridiculous amount of pressure to expect these guys to step up and already be those main figures, supplement them with those veterans and you will see them grow and rise in ways you didn't expect or thought it would take longer. Mm. But just leaving them out there with what it is. I don't know. Do three or four workout sessions with Brian Bayo change the world. He's been working on a slider. I think that's a game changer. Is that going to make the difference? What between 78 wins and 81, 82 wins? How much does that really mean at the end of the day? Nothing. It just puts you more in mediocrity. It just, gets, it just gets you a worse draft pick. Still, you're still last place team. You just have a worse draft pick. Um, Jake, our resident vibes guy, how are you feeling at the start of spring training here? Like I know that like it's the time of the year where we're supposed to be excited and it's like it's the start of a new year. You're supposed to feel refreshed. Uh, where are you at in terms of your vibes? It's tough to feel pretty refreshed with all the quotes and everything coming out. Um from members of the team and all that. But I, what I've started to do is just kind of turn my focus to rooting for the players. Cause I think like, if you just kind of buy in on that, like we got a, a bunch of young fun guys coming up, like we've talked about it. Like it, it's not going to be a 90 or a hundred loss for win team. Like we still got talent on the team. So I'm just, I mean, I'm going all the games, so I have to be positive <laughs> and like, I, I, I just love the players. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I forgot about that. The, yep. the reverse, reverse boycott. Yeah, it's going to be a grind. Mm-hmm. That is going to be something. I'm going to, I mean, listen, I I stuck my neck out. I was like, I'm I'm going to be going to as many games as I normally go to. You know, I'm going to, I'll be there. I'll join you. Um, do you want your psychoanalysis now, Tyler? Talk to me. Uh, Talk this, to this is from your piece here, this paragraph. Expecting Giolito to be the guy who received Cy Young votes from 2019 to 2021 feels unrealistic, but that first half production is right in line with his underlying metrics in 2022. Cutting down on the homers and getting his four-seamer back on track will go a long way towards stabilizing those numbers over a full season. It's another project for Bailey to wrap his hands around, which seems to be well underway with Giolito. To wrap his hands around. So... It's mm. it's wrap his arms around to wrap your arms around or to get your hands on. And you combine that into to wrap his hands around, which would be like a strangulation motion. So it's almost like when you suffocate young animals, you can't get that off your mind to where in this sentence here, it's another project for Bailey to wrap his hands around it's to get his hands on or to wrap his arms around and you combined it into a strangulation 
Yeah, T-Dog does it his own way. Uh, that's for <laughs> sure. I definitely have my own style to it. I will say when I was writing this piece, I spent mm-hmm. all Friday night, like all the way through. Mm-hmm. I had to eat my friggin' morning pizza when I was like up already. I'd even wow. get to wake up to my morning pizza. That's crazy. So it I'm was sorry a grind about that, that night. But besides that, was the piece good? Yeah, no, I read the whole thing. I liked it. I retweeted. I support. Thank Listen, you. you have no bigger fan than me. I will say, coming yeah. up, I did. Uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet today, did you? No. Milliken mailbag coming this weekend. Oh, a Milliken mailbag. <laughs> There's a lot of fucking questions. Now, I'll try to you know break it up and do it a way that makes sense. But wow. shout out to everyone who did submit a question. I really do appreciate it. How many questions did you get, do you think? I think there's like 80. Damn. Damn, dude. The name redacted clout. What can I say? Damn, dog. I'll tell you 80 questions in the Milliken mailbag. Oh, 65. I I overshot it a little bit. Let's call it 80. Jay, cut that. 80 (laughs) questions. Uh, Do you have a favorite? Um, Which Red Sox player do you think has the lowest personal credit score from Sox South? (laughs) What's there the were answer? a lot of serious Give ones us a sneak peek. Too. Give us a sneak peek. Um, sorry, you can hear Sam having an absolute meltdown downstairs. Mm-hmm. Which prospect throughout your fandom were you the most surprised didn't make it? And which Lars one Anderson. who had success did you not see coming? Lars Anderson. Blake Swyart for me. That one destroyed me. Um, who do you think of the big three will be the first to reach the big leagues? If the Red Sox somehow sign Kyle Montgomery Teal. Snell, what win total are you giving them for this season? I mean, you're obviously going with Kyle Teal, right? Uh, yeah, I think he'd probably be my pick. I do think there is a chance if Roman Anthony shows up this year and he's just on another planet alien style, could he mm-hmm. maybe accelerate himself to a level that, you know, a lot of people are just like, holy shit, he's now an undisputed top five guy in baseball. I don't think that's out of the question. How do you feel about Roman Anthony getting ranked above Marcel Meyer? Do you think that that's like a Roman Anthony taking a next step or a Marcel Meyer thing like falling off thing? Because I don't I don't like I don't think that you should hold it against Meyer if he's fucking hurt. And he doesn't appear to be now. That's what fan graphs like really kind of annoyed me with today. And, you know, no offense to them or anything that they're doing, but they push like Marcelo Meyer into the 60s of the top 100. And it's like, all right, guys, I get it. You know, it was a down year for him at double A, but the shoulder injury, it's on record. He's talked about it. It happened May 7th, trying to leg out a triple. He was tearing up high A, got to double A, and it was a tough time. Is he a perfect prospect? No. We got to see him hit breaking balls. There's some questions with the hit tool. But don't go ahead and tell me he's a 30 fielding-wise when you ask anyone over at Sox Prospects who know this organization better than anyone, and they're like, no, he's more than capable at shortstop. He's had comps to Brandon Crawford, for fuck's sakes. Let's not act like the guy can't play the position here. Is he a little bit bigger? Sure. And there's some of that, oh, could he grow to be a third baseman? Maybe. But right now, he's shown he can handle shortstop without a problem. But I look at Anthony and Meyer as 1A, 1B. I think what Roman Anthony did being 19 and getting to double A is so freakish. It's something that we hadn't seen for the Red Sox in such a long time when the only guy you can compare him to is Xander Bogarts. I think that's pretty telling. Uh, in my personal rankings, I had Roman Anthony one spot ahead. Uh, I, you know, and there's been a couple publications. Baseball Prospectus was one uh, that also had him there. But you look at Pipeline and Baseball America, and it was the other way around. They kept, you know, Marcelo Meyer in that 14, 15 spot. Anthony was more often in the 20s. Sox Prospects has Roman Anthony, you know, ahead of him right now. I just look at Anthony and I think he's a guy who could easily be a top five prospect in the game if he starts the, you know, year any, you know, looking anything like he did previously. Marcelo, you got to see him reestablish. Kyle Teal has to work on the defensive side of things. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was only a short stint in pro ball. We got to see what it looks like over the course of a full season. 
But you ask me, I'm a Roman Anthony guy. I think he could be the next superstar, a Christian Yelich type of player. I think if you ask me about Marcelo Meyer, I think Brandon Crawford's a really good comp. I'd say maybe a little less defensively, more offensively. Okay. Just asking. Just asking. Because I I I like Marcelo Meyer. I just, I I don't like, maybe it's going to motivate him. To see his name slide down to be from being the Red Sox top prospect to, you know, getting passed by a 19 year old Roman Anthony who will be 20 on May 13th. He was born during the 2004 season. That's where we're at, folks. We are we are watching the Red Sox top prospect right now being born during the 2004 season. You are all old as fuck listening to this right now. I hope you feel like shit after hearing what I just said. And I'll say with Marcelo, there is a cloud over him. And I saw him, you know, playing shortstop, doing his thing the last couple of days. What's going to happen with the shoulder? Because he didn't have surgery on it. There were some, you know, periods where he was up and down over the offseason. I want to see him go out there and be fully healthy because there is a fear in the back of my head that we get to June and it's like, hey, we're shutting him down. He needs surgery. And then before you know it, you're losing almost a full year. And it's like, all right, well, now the development has completely stalled. We're looking at, you know. Not a lot of time played in two seasons where he was fully healthy and doing what he needed to to develop. So I don't know. I'm all over the Roman Anthony train. But if you're using it to say Marcelo Meyer sucks, it's those people who just want to go and be like, oh, you're betting the future on him. You've been talking about him for years. Look, he's not worth anything. Take a breather. Relax. It's going to be OK. He's shown to be a special player. And look, he's looking at Jordan Lawler. If I were him. I'd be like, damn, that guy's past me, at least in terms of how a lot of people viewed that draft when I was ahead of him. Now you got to make up that ground. Is there anything that excites you about spring training right now? Is there any is there any storyline that you can find the positive in outside of seeing the, the the trio of prospects in big league camp? I think the Sedan Raffaella stuff is probably the most exciting stuff just because it sounds like they're just crowning him as the starting center fielder right now. I didn't take it that way. I, I looked at it as more and, you know, Cora said, hey, we're going to give him a chance to go out and win the center field job. That didn't surprise me. I thought that was always on the table considering he finished last year in the big leagues. I just always thought it was unlikely. He would have to come to spring training. And, you know, I don't think it's about num- the numbers exactly. And Craig Breslow said that. It's more about kind of the swing decisions. And he worked on the offseason about kind of swinging a little bit later. Strikeout numbers were fucking ridiculous. 31%. Yeah, that's uh, high. And the chase rate was still, you know, problematic. Pitchers were already kind of going after him. But when you have the glove he has, the conversation changes. And I think the Red Sox know defensively, hey, we're trying to get better. That's part of the reason Masataka Yoshida is the DH right now, right? I just look at Rafaela here. And unless they move one of these guys and, you know, Jaron Duran's now being linked to the Padres a few times in the last week, then it really starts to become more likely to me. Then I can start to paint the picture. But if he has JBJ's 2013 spring training, it's going to be pretty hard to tell him to go down because you're not trying to compete. You can live with the struggles. Like it, sc- it'd be one thing if you were pushing forward, but whatever, it's about development. On a scale from one to 10, how much do you think the Red Sox regret signing Yoshida? Ugh, I'd probably say a seven, seven <laughs> right? and a half. Craig Breslow is telling you, like, I don't view him the same as Heim did because we're already taking him out of left field. We're already taking him out of left field. We're already trying to trade him. Uh, I mean, when we had Coley on, we kind of broke down the contract and compared it to other DHs in the league. And it's like, well, when you compare him to other DHs in the league, it's really not that bad. But it's like, well, it's not. But for the money, could you have done better at the position? 
I don't know. I mean, I think I still think it's too early to say that you could or could not have done better because it was such a weird first year in the league for him being that, uh, I mean, for all players coming from Japan to the United States, it's a different schedule. It's um, it's just a different world, literally. Uh, he had played in the World Baseball Classic for a, a, a team, a, a, a Japanese team that did not lose a game, I believe. Is that correct? They didn't lose a game in that tournament? I believe so. Uh, so they go from grinding their dicks off in the world baseball classic to starting a big league season. You are getting acclimated and it's a grind and it's more the games that you've ever played in your entire life. So uh, this is kind of like my passing judgment on Yoshida season for me, this one coming up. Um, I mean, for that first half, I mean, well, it took a, it took him a little while to get going. Like it was probably what, like that series in Milwaukee is when he really started going. The two grand in slams in one inning. Yeah. Uh, Pete Fotz, he made the change with his stance and it seemingly got him to stop hitting the ball into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not like, man, what a what a flop that he's like, they're taking him out of left field and making him a DH. It's like even at the time, it wasn't like he was expected to be good defensively. Like you got him for his bat. And now, now he's just going to do that. Fine. Maybe he's, be- maybe he's better. Like when J.D. Martinez was just a DH, he was way better. And when he was playing right field, he fucking sucked hitting. Maybe Yoshida will be a better hitter if he's just a DH. We don't know. We don't have that information yet. So I would say pump the brakes on any, I guess, revisionist history as it pertains to, um, you know, having buyer's remorse with Masataki Yoshida. I I still maybe it's because I grew up with David Ortiz. Like I know a lot of teams don't like just having a DH. They're like, yeah, we'd like to keep that spot open. We like to rotate guys in. Well, nah. I mean, I, I, when the Red Sox just had one guy, it was it worked pretty good. And then his successor being JD Martinez. Like that worked pretty fucking good too. So I don't know. I know that the nerds don't particularly love it, and the Red Sox just hired a fucking huge nerd in Craig Breslow. So I don't, you know, I, I would venture to guess that if Yoshida were a free agent this current winter that we're in, that Breslow wouldn't have gone out and signed him. Like that doesn't happen. So I think he's more into the Seiya Suzuki kind of type. Um, but yeah. I think you look at what Yoshida has left is four years, 72, right? Like you look at what Kyle Schwarber did. He signed for four years, 79 when he went to the Phillies. At the end of the day, if Yoshida can get to a, like a 120 OPS plus over a full year, it was over 130 for the first half of the season, fell way below that. And he finished like right around 108, 109 uh, at the end of the season. If he can just maintain at that 120 area, I don't think anybody's going to be losing their mind or going nuts. Um but it's another left-handed bat for a team that's obviously very left-handed. Uh, and it's funny to watch Craig Breslow because it feels like he talks out of both sides of his mouth on this. Like, he's made a point multiple times to be like, yeah, we like how Yoshida kind of developed in left field as the year went along, and we think he's better than the metrics. But we're also going to have him at DH a majority of the time. So, like, which one is it? Is it just because of the roster where, you know, you have Willier and Tyler O'Neill and Jaron Duran, and it's just crowded and it doesn't make sense? Okay. But when you're looking at the Red Sox and they're starving for a right-handed bat, someone who can hit third, and there were DH options like Turner or Teoscar Hernandez, it gets frustrating. Like, if you felt like you had to go this route because of Yoshida's defense, I'd take a step back and be like, all right, I think you're going about it for the wrong reasons. 
Were you worked up about um, Jorge Soler signing with the Giants? No, I had accepted it. Like, <laughs> you know, let's be real. We haven't heard in a month they've been seriously linked to him. Well, that's so, so that's it's a two part question because I'm trying to psychoanalyze myself now. Should I be disappointed that the, that the Red Sox didn't sign Jorge Soler? Is it? I don't like the deal. Am I accepting that the Red Sox are poverty? Am I accepting that the Red Sox aren't trying to win this season? So that's why I'm not upset about it. Am I am I still do I still have like 2018 brain where I'm like, well, this is this doesn't fit roster wise. Like we're, we if we are trying to win, it's like, well, you just told us that Yoshida is the full time DH. So where does Soler go? I mean, like you've got it's not like you've got like murderers row out there in the outfield. It's not like you've got like, uh, you know, all stars all over the place. Like you've got guys. You've got guys that fill roles, but like there are so many question marks. Tyler O'Neill, do we know how many games he's going to play? No. Will you Abreu? He's going to, this is basically, this is official rookie season still, would be this Tom year. Tom Warner told you 400 at bats for Will you Abreu. Okay. Um, Which then you start doing the math and you're like, all right, this ain't, it doesn't really add up. This math ain't mathing. Yeah, the math ain't mathing. Like someone's going to have to get flipped or moved. And we know Duran and Abreu are getting that. I think with Solaire, the way I'd kind of frame it, would I have loved to go three years for a guy that's been super inconsistent throughout his career? No, not really. I would have kind of taken a step back. Um, You know, 128 OPS plus this this past season. That was the first time he was better than a 106 OPS plus since 2019 when he went absolutely nuts nuts for the Royals. And I know that includes that run with the Braves, but he was awful before that trade went down in the first place. But when you are the Red Sox and you feel like this team so badly needs the offensive help, yeah, you're going to sit there and be like, damn, I'm just more upset about the options you let go earlier in the offseason. And at the end of the day, Soler, he's another defensive liability. That would have been another thing that made this whole puzzle fit weird. You know, Turner could have helped you at first and third, offered you some of that. Solaire's just another guy that can only play left field for you. Correct. But it's the constant theme. Damn, the Red Sox need that impact right-handed bat. And this is a guy who could have filled that role. While he didn't fit the best, he could have. But no, I I, think I'm more it, upset about Turner. Yeah, if they don't if they don't sign Yoshida last year, Solaire's probably here. Or maybe not. Maybe Turner stays. Um, I think like the fact that Yoshida can't play left field ultimately was the reason why Justin Turner only played one season in Boston. He even he like went up there and basically told you like, yeah, fucking I want to come back to the Red Sox, but they didn't even call me. So hello, Toronto. Welcome. It's good to be here. It just like, didn't have to be that way. No, it didn't have to be that way. But yeah, they they're struggling right now with roster flexibility. Uh, they have so many fucking maybes, what ifs, question marks in the outfield in terms of like Sadan Rafaela. Is this dude going to strike out 250 times if he plays a full season out there? Uh, Will your Abreu first first season in the big leagues? Jaron Duran, is he going to be on the team? Don't know, but he's going to play gone. left field. Didn't play a ton out there at all. Uh, and then Tyler O'Neill is he's played one full season in his fucking life. That's your outfield. Woo! Like, get excited, baby. The Red Sox baseball. Um, so, yeah, like, that just kind of just goes back to, like, I'm not being negative. It's, it, everyone's like, oh, people that are negative say I'm not being negative and being realistic. That's what negative people say. It's like, well, no, I, I actually am being realistic. Like, if we're speaking logically, 
speaking out loud about each player in the outfield situation. Who the fuck are you realistically supposed to be excited about? Like, I guess if everything if everything goes right, yeah, like you could be excited about Willier Abreu. Like that is like I think that he's someone. I think that his ceiling could be higher than Alex Verdugo's. Like I, I mean that, but I I'm just also looking at it like what are the odds of that happening? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Not every guy is going to show up and immediately become that guy. It might take him a year to get that, you know, to that point in his career where he can kind of offer it for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the theme of the team. And when you're not trying to push chips in and do things serious, like the team, a team like the Giants, who for years have been outbid on guys and not been willing to take the extra step, they're desperate right now. They know they're trying to push chips in and make something happen. You know, Farhan Zaidi lived to see another day. Well, that's the kind of move when you're trying to, you know, win and do those kind of things. The Red Sox, they're not going to make themselves uncomfortable because you look at Solaire, three years. All right, well, Roman Anthony, could he be part of this picture by the end of the year? Yeah. All right, well, that's a whole nother, you know, variable you're bringing into this mess where you need to create room for an outfielder. From a pure offensive standpoint, he made sense. Defensively not, but, you know, when you look and you're putting this lineup together, man, if you don't see that hole, I don't know what to tell you at this point because it is so frigging glaring. And Cora made a point to say, right? Like he talked, he brought JD up and said they're not done. And Chris Cotillo said they're still talking to outfielders right now. I think more, they're just going to go a cheaper route and a route that doesn't carry much term. Hey, Adam Duvall, do you want to play a little outfield? Do you want to play a little first base for us? And we'll kind of make it happen that way. You'll be another platoon bat. Cool. Let's go that route. Talk about a move that will fucking do absolutely nothing for me. No disrespect to Adam Duvall. Great guy. Played well, but you're just running it back with the team that finished and last. Like, I want something new. I want something different. I want something that makes me feel something. And I don't feel that way about this team. Uh, Duvall coming here doesn't or coming back here doesn't move the needle for me. Um, He'll just be traded. Yeah, that's really all it is. You're just acquiring pieces that are going to be fetching you prospects at the trade deadline, or maybe even before that, because as you guys know, uh, the scoop shop was, I wouldn't say it was buzzing today, but it was fizzling. There was some, there was some fizzle in there today. Um, and then some of those reports that were in the scoop shop later fizzled out into Twitter later in the day. Um, it was kind of like we were getting tipped off here and there that something might be going down. I actually heard from I heard from two people in Boston that something was happening. Something's happening. And I had a little birdie on the other side of the country with uh, the team that the Red Sox were were diddling under the table there. And I poked around on that and said, what do you got on this? And I got one name. I think we all know what that name was. It was it was Duran. So then we get San Diego Padres reporters saying uh, it's unlikely that Hassan Kim will get traded. Then we've got reporters over here saying actually like national reporters saying the asking price on Duran is really high. So maybe those names were discussed, but ultimately. Nothing came of it and it doesn't sound like anything is going to come from it which is just weird 
Like usually when usually when the smoke enters the scoop shop, like something's about to go down. Like it's like like the you can hear the sound of the alarm and it's like battle stations. Like you've got moments before this thing blows. And we're recording right now. It's 621 Eastern on Thursday and nothing has happened. But I thought for sure that, you know, when we were hearing this stuff, what was that? Like 1030 this morning, 11. It was right. Yeah, maybe it was, it was during the show. Like it was like lunchtime. Yeah. Um, I thought for sure. I was like, we're going to record this fucking podcast and it's going to happen right after or something like that. But I the reports that have come out since. Being that like Kim's not going anywhere. And Duran's asking price is super high. I get the sense that it was kind of a false alarm today in the scoop shop. It's weird, too, with this entire Jaron Duran conversation, because I think a lot of people are like super turned off by it. They're like, come on, man. Like, this is a guy who is one of the most exciting guys on the team, took a major step, and he's cheap and cost controlled. Why are you considering moving him? I think that log jam we talked about earlier, it's like, well, hey, they're talking with Willie or Abreu and other teams and seeing if maybe that's the route they go. And then they have someone in Rafaela if he breaks through. And I think they've made it clear while Duran made a lot of strides in center field. And I'm pretty sure he was like 99th or 100th percentile in outfield jump. I think they still want, you know, Rafaela to ultimately take that spot because he has a chance to be a gold glove winner every single year. I'm not saying he's going to be Jackie Bradley Jr. defensively, but like they have those kind of hopes for him where he'll be making Spider-Man catches for years to come. Well, okay, if he's going to be your center fielder and you have Willier Abreu, is there a way you can maybe find a cost control or a cost controlled starter for Duran? And that's where I kind of always drew the line. Like, hey, if you're going to get me Jesus Lazardo, I can swallow that pill. But when you look at where the Padres are at right now, first off, you know, the reason they traded Juan Soto, uh, part of it was because they wanted to get pitching back. So they've been trying to replenish that. My question is, are the Red Sox just saying, hey, you may not have a cost controlled starter, but look, we're not you know, clearly trying to win this year. Are you willing to throw us one of your best prospects and go nuts? And Dylan Lesko was the one like I tweeted about him. I put it out there. It's a little bit of an unrealistic ask. We're talking about someone who ranges from like 40. I think pipeline has him closer to 70. Um, But an arm, a lot of people are in love with and think could be one of the best pitching prospects in the entire sport. Rather soon. He was the first rounder for them in 2022. Are they saying, yo, you really want Duran? Well, go nuts. Send us one of the best pitching prospects in baseball and maybe we can get something moving. I would have a hard time saying goodbye to Duran, but if you're willing to do that at that point, at least I can be like, man, you sold him for something that hopefully has a chance to be the ace. It would be depressing, but this year is already depressing. I can understand that. If you're just going to flip him for, you know, a bunch of pieces, that would be a problem, but keep the asking price high. If someone wants to go nuts for Duran, okay, then it becomes a conversation. I get the sense that if Duran is moved, which it seems unlikely at this point, uh, it would be in a, like a larger deal. Like it wouldn't be like a one for one. It would be like we've got we've got names flying all over the fucking place. And he happens to be a part of that. Like that's not just the my, main name. Uh, I don't know. There wouldn't be the main name, but it would feel like a bulkier, like a like a seven player deal. Maybe he headlines it, but it's like we've got prospects going. We've got bigly ready guys going and and whatever. That's. That's just like the my feel on it. Um, but yeah, it would just be flipping one of your long term cost control pieces for hopefully someone who fits a need that you currently have. But then you're saying like Dylan Lesko, it's electric. The guy has got in up to high A and he made three starts there this past year. Like 
you're trading proven talent for something that is still considerably far away. I know a lot of people are like, hey, it's Dylan Lesko. I'm not going to think twice. Even that, I'm like, damn, man. We're like, we're continuing to kick the can down the road, but that's the way they've been acting, right? Like if you're waiting for Marcelo Meyer and Kyle Teal and Roman Anthony, they're at double A. They're just one level above them. Does he just become now the big four? Like, oh, all right. Now you got the guy who's supposed to be a, a top of the rotation guy. And that's projecting so much forward. But if your timeline's really 2026, all right. Like, uh, I guess I can see the vision. Yeah. Sounds like the Red Sox outfield needs some help. Some better help. Oh. Tell me about that kind of help. Yeah, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Shout out to the good folks over there at BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. You know all about that, T-Dog. Of course. You and Martha, it, it does feel easy a lot of times. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. And I know that you're always putting in that work, T-Dog. Of course, you'd be putting work on me too. Yeah. Therapy can be a place to... You you guys ever been to therapy? No, not yet. You guys don't need it. That's okay. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether it's with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone. I think I find a lot of value in therapy, especially during baseball season, because man, it is going to be a doozy this year. Also, I know this isn't maybe maybe for the people that skip through ad reads, this is where you lose out a little teaser. I got a lot of cool stuff coming up this year that. Yeah. Yep. Involving Some, the podcast. Uh, uh, not involving the podcast. But involving um, it's one of the it's one of the side gigs, but it's kind of like a different role, a new exciting project for something that doesn't currently exist. Does it resemble anything you've tried before? Yes and no. Yes and no. It's something I've done. Similar to, but not exactly. We're taking it to a different level. We're taking it to a whole nother level. And it's something that uh, has not been done in the sport. Yet. We're about to break baseball. We could be breaking baseball. Um, But like I said, you know, we've got the podcast. I'm going to have this other p- cool project going on. Uh, I'm going to have a lot to do. And... Real life doesn't take a back seat when you're when you're super busy during the season. You don't want to wait until the end of the season to get all your feelings and emotions out. You got to talk about that shit, T-Dog. Can't bottle that up. Nothing's going to happen to the podcast, right? Like this new project won't take away from what the podcast no. is. No, it's in addition to it is. Uh, yeah, it's supplemental. Yeah, if we didn't have our time together, I think I'd have to go to therapy. We can go to therapy. We can go to couples therapy together. Shout out the YouTube viewers. Like, I know they live on like a different universe than like Planet, subreddit yeah. people, right? Like they're on a whole nother world. Uh, but someone had posted like the top comment, got like 30, 40 likes. And they're like, thank you for my weekly therapy. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm happy because I feel like this is our therapy, too. So it it's is. like both sides are getting what they hope. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. It is therapy for all. 
And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate. Whether you're looking for one or not, visit betterhelp.com slash baseball today. Not that, not that's, it's just slash baseball. Do that today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash baseball. Yeah, that, uh, that side project could be cool. I think, uh, I think a lot of people would be excited about it. It's still, we're still working out some kinks. Um, I think people would be shocked. Yeah, I think so too. <clears throat> yeah, I think so too. It is, uh, it's something that's never, to my knowledge, I don't think it's been done before. But not in this sport. Not in this sport. Yeah. So it would be cool to be part of the first to do it. You, know? you make history. That's what I do. This is a travel chief, baby. I acknowledge you. Thank you. Uh, anything else before I get to get the fuck out of here? I have a, I have a, I have an important call at seven at my parents' house. What do we have? Ten minutes, you'd say, or less? I would say we have about ten minutes. Okay, Kenley Jansen. Should we just touch? I know we slightly hit on that, but there was a report that came out saying that the Red Sox aren't willing to eat his money at the moment. They're reluctant to do so. Mm-hmm. That pisses me the fuck off personally. I think that is one of the stupidest things I've heard recently. Unless you're going to go flip and go sign a Jordan Montgomery or something like that, then I could comprehend it. But Alex Spear reported, hey, if Montgomery ends up, you know, his market collapsing and it's a one or two year deal, the Red Sox probably still aren't in. Now we're hearing the Phillies are looking at that, which thanks, David Dombrowski, kick me in the nuts. Why don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be painful. But once again, if you're going to flip Kenley Jansen and all you care about is saving money, what the fuck are you doing? Eat the money and go get something. Get a prospect. Because $16 million for Kenley Jansen, you're going to get absolutely nothing for that if a team has to take on that money. If you say eight half or even more, well, all right. It's not exactly Vaughn Grissom and Chris Sale, right? But get me a prospect that accelerates this process. That's where I sit there and I'm like, man, you really just care about getting the money off the books? That's it? You better have another signing lined up. And if it's Adam Duvall, I'm head first over the monster. Um, yeah, I'm also a little bit annoyed by that. And, and also the, the John Heyman question thing that he does every fucking week. And he said like, oh, I can still see a way for the Red Sox to end up with Jordan Montgomery. And then everyone gets excited about that. Everyone just, you know, glosses over the fact that he is a Scott Boris puppet and he's trying to get like the Phillies or whoever to be like, oh, Red Sox might do it. Uh, uh, uh. Like, don't get excited about that. Like, I, I mean, I, I know that I, I think it was last week where I kind of said, like, I left the door open for it a little bit. It's literally only because, like, it's going to end up being like there's it's musical chairs and there's one fucking chair left. And it's the Red Sox. You saw like, what Chris I, Young said, right? What did he say? He came out in, you know, talking about the new TV deal and everything. He goes, yeah, I'm not really expecting any more major additions or anything like that. And yeah. acknowledge like the finances. It's hard to do anything to that level. We'll keep tabs with Jordan Montgomery. But that's really it at this point. Yeah. I think and now I'm leaning more towards the Phillies like Dave Dombrowski is giving him the J.D. Martinez treatment. That's who fucking did it here it was Dave Dombrowski. So I, I it's just so crazy to me that I think adding Jordan Montgomery could change just the overall vibe of the entire season. Just like saying like, hey, we added two frontline guys to the rotation 
it would just it would just send a totally different message to the fan base. But the message that they're sending right now is like, not only do we not care about you uh, in your feelings and this season, like we just we don't care. Like we don't care about like the brand right now. Like it's just we are mailing it the fuck in. Like we our attention is very much elsewhere. Um, so, yeah, if you were to put a gun to my head, I would say the Phillies end up with Jordan Montgomery because that that'll be just be like, you know, like, all right, the last two teams are the Red Sox and the Phillies, but the Red Sox don't want it. Like they offered me gift cards to market basket. So I guess I'm going to the Phils. It's just like, I feel like you're handing them a world series, which is like so depressing. Cause like you're telling me you got Nola Wheeler and then Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Like that, that is such a great spot to be in. And that bullpen's still super questionable. Don't get me wrong, but that's the kind of missing piece like JD Martinez was that can get you over. And he's still sitting here, and it feels like through the media, Scott Boris is begging the Red Sox just to make anything of a serious offer. I have a hard time believing he's still asking for 7172. And the rumor a week ago from what Mark finds in was that he was going to sign by this Thursday. Well, here we are. Yeah. It's a week later, and it doesn't look like that you know deal is anywhere close to getting done. No, no. I would be pretty pissed at Boris if I were Montgomery. It's like you totally overplayed my hand. Like, who knows? Like, who knows what kind of offers like he fielded earlier in the offseason that he turned down in hopes of getting something greater later on. And now it's like, I mean, pitchers and catchers are, have reported and you still don't have a deal. And you've got, you know, your last couple of suitors here being like, yeah, we could do like a two year deal. It's like you went out there looking for seven and you've got teams being like the best I can do is two. And like, I wonder- eventually you're going to have to take that or not. The, the other team, hearing what happened with the Orioles today, Kyle Bradish, UCL sprain, PRP injection in that elbow. John Means is not going to be ready for opening day, it seems. Yeah. Are they a team that sneaks in with new ownership behind them, behind them and say, hey, we'll throw the money on the table? Maybe that's another way. And I'm not saying he's getting the NOLA money, but here's a three-year deal or a two-year deal financially that makes sense for you. I don't know. I, I think that's another team to keep an eye on as well, but... At the end of the day, he wants to go chase a ring. He wants to go win. You're not selling anybody on that here. You're not telling anyone like Jordan Montgomery, you could come here, but you're going to have to pay the price most likely. Mm-hmm. Not Nola, but at least, you know, multiple four or five years. If he's going to take a short, you know, term deal, he wants to go win. Why wouldn't he? I mean, maybe, maybe he just won. Maybe he wants to be where his wife is working. Maybe it is that simple. It's like, please just make me a deal so that I can stay here while my wife does her clinicals. Like I'll take a one or a two year deal. The Red Sox, I won't even do that. I hope that's the case, but the way Spear framed it felt like he would rather choose those opportunities. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe the Red Sox finally grow up. Uh, John Schreiber being a guy they listen on. You got a problem with that? Not really. I think, I mean, the time is kind of like too late at this point. I don't know that he's fetching a notable piece. Coming off a down year where all the stuff ticked down and he has a new cutter, right? We'll see what that looks like. And I don't think he's bad. I think he's a fine seventh inning arm. If someone wants to go friggin' nuts and it's like a Scott Efros situation, okay. If it's not, why do so? He's under team control through 2027. Like, hold on to the guy and see if he can refine it. Either way, at best, he'll be a seventh inning arm and he kind of serves the duty. But I don't know. I yeah. thought that was a weirder arm for them to be kind of considering. What else we got? Lucas Lutke. Lucky. Say it. I had it right before the podcast. I have, I just no, idea. Myself. I have no idea. I, I, I mean, 
no disrespect to this to this man. I don't know how to say your name. Um, but yeah, I saw Lucas you Licky. T- Licky. You you tweeted that he signed a minor league deal with the Red Sox, and then I went to go find him on Twitter, and he has me blocked. I mean, I'm assuming it's because he was with the Yankees and all the uh, times that I shit on Garrett Cole. Like maybe he's friends. I I don't know. I don't give a fuck. I'm at, I'm at the point like if I, I was gonna say like a few years ago I would have went off about this. Like I literally did this last year, like with with Kale <laughs> Bort. Um, that was different. That was different. You showed him love. Yeah, that was different. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, Jameson Tyon was a dude that literally we interviewed and he had been on the podcast multiple times and like he unfollowed me because I fucking was talking shit about Gary Cole. So like either you have a sense of humor or you don't. And like a lot of I just I'm at the point in my life where it's like, you know, either you you get it or you don't. And if you don't get it, then it, that's fine. We will never get along and and I don't care. I don't need new friends. Um, so that's just kind of where I'm at. Like I, people are like, what did you say about him? I'm like, I didn't even know who this guy was. <laughs> like, I don't I've never said his name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, I've never said anything about him. Like, I'm assuming it's just me ripping on Garrett Cole and they're probably buddies. And like, it is what it is. I don't care. He's like picture Tommy Lane, right? Like 21 to 22. He was pretty good. Uh, you know, 271 ERA, 292 FIP. But even after those two seasons, when they signed Tommy Canley, they told him to kick rocks and they DFA'd him. He went to the Braves, didn't really offer much, spent most of the year in AAA, and now he's here, right? Like yeah. the guy who was floating out, he's 37 years old. Red Sox don't have a ton of left-handed depth. It's Brennan Bernardino and then Chris Murphy, who's getting stretched out to start right now for depth. After him, Jorge Benitez and Cam Boozer. And Joe Jakes is on the 40-man. Yeah. So like, all right. Come in here. If you prove you can maybe do something, are you going to make the team over, you know, Justin Slayton or Brian Mata? No, you're not. Yeah, is a non-factor. And again, if it gets back to him, just know that I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I do not care. Lastly, we uh, had a signing, I think, that duped everyone uh, for a hot second that didn't know what he went through at the end of last year. Michael Fulmer signed a minor league deal with the the Red Sox for two years. That tweet, <laughs> like, man, sometimes you just don't know what's going to pop. I quote tweeted that, and all I said was, this is huge. And I, I'm pretty sure it had over a million views. <laughs> oh, no, it went crazy. I saw it. Yeah, let me see. Uh, okay. Breaking. The Boston Red Sox have signed reliever Michael Fulmer. Fulmer is out for the entire 24-24 season rehabbing an elbow injury. And I quote tweeted it and I said, this is huge. <laughs> <laughs> but people like at first one, were like 1.1 million views. That's ridiculous. I, it was funny because like I saw uh, I can't remember. I, maybe it was Michael Mayer who had the report initially and had been yeah. sitting out there for like 10 minutes or something. And people started seeing they're like, oh, I, I know who Michael Fulmer is, right? Like this is this is something, guys. And it was yeah. just signed a deal. We didn't know it was minor league. So if you didn't know what happened to him, happened to him a year ago or at the end of 2023, then you kind of got excited because you're like, all right, it's a, recon- a recognizable name. Maybe Kenley Jansen's about to get traded here. It all kind of lines up. Then you find out he's getting his UCL fixed this year. He's already had Tommy John and a bunch of other injuries throughout his career. He was in Chicago with Craig Breslow. So similar to the Cody Hoyer uh, thing from a couple weeks ago, it's like, oh, that's the Craig Breslow connection. This is just another version of that. He's bringing in a guy he liked to 
you know, in 21 and 2022, he was really good. Uh, you know, 317 ERA, 351 FIP. In Chicago this past year, it was more meh, 442 ERA, 415 FIP. Who it's cares? The, he's not he's not pitching. Well, he's you not, hope next year you can flip. All right, we'll talk about right? it next year then. What the fuck do I care? <laughs> and it sucks because I I we interviewed him too. I like Michael Fulmer. We follow each other. I'm presuming like we're cool still. And but it's just like it's so Red Sox to be like, yeah, and we finally signed a pitcher. He's he's out for the whole year. We did sign him though. Like all right, it, on February 15th, 2024, 2025, uh, we'll run this segment back and then you can give me all of his numbers then. Okay. We can talk about that then. I think that's a fair take. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Michael Fulmer. Shout out Michael Fulmer. Great guy. Plumber in the offseason. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. In the offseason, he's a play. He works as a plumber. 2016 AL Rookie of the Year. 17. Was it 17? Yeah. Good. Jesus, your brain is... Asperger's Do you remember who baby. was 2016? Uh, in the American League? Yes, sir. <sighs> the 2016 American League Rookie of the Year. Oh, J-Dog, you're cooked. I'm sorry. It what? was 16. It was? It was. No. See. Who was the 17? Let's find out. Do you have, do you have any guesses? Uh... Oh, Jesus. This is embarrassing. What? Was it Bregman? No. Was it a Red Sox? No. Rival. Oh, it was Aaron Judge. Duh, you fucking 50-something <laughs> home runs. The fuck? <laughs> that makes sense. Wow. I guess I am cooked. You're not. I'm washed. Hey, you're hitting your See, prime. No, this is the end of the road for me. You're having sex now. That's true. That is true. That can't deny that. Hit me up for tips. Yeah, let me know. Let me know uh, what your game is. Um, you like that? All right. Anything else? Jake's takes. Uh, yeah. Shout out Dustin for uh, starting up the name redacted Discord. It's got. I like, gotta get in there. Can one like of you please members. show me how to fucking use it? I I don't know how to use it either. I like joined and I wrote a message and then it didn't send. Speaking of that, uh, there was a Reddit thread in the name redacted Reddit page asking me about the surgery and how I was doing, I responded to it and then it disappeared. I didn't delete it. It just was gone. Like if you go to that thread right now, it'll say like there's three comments in there, but it'll only show two. The missing one was me. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. <laughs> it was people were like, oh, did you have the, the procedure yet? And like it was the day before our last episode. So I'm good. I was fucking back at it the next day. Just, just sick fucking fuck. just going at it. Yeah. I wish I wish we had a camera on me in October when I was doing baseball is dead after the playoff games. And I was I had to shut my camera off because I was laying on the fucking table just dying. It was bad. It was real bad. Never miss a podcast. Never miss one. Not one. Not a one. If I ever had to do like a like another like if it was like a serious like keep him in the hospital surgery for like several days, I would just be like, bring this fucking mic stand, just put it next to my goddamn IV bag and let's cook. I'd want to be in the room with you, though. Like the nurse you know can come you in. almost got me. Speak. This is my closing thought. You almost got me in trouble. Me? Yeah. Me being around the youth. You. Because 
So uh, I'm texting the the girlfriend, mm-hmm. and I f- I forget what we were talking about, but I said let me cook, and she knows that I don't physically cook. And then she was like, "What did you mean to send that to someone else?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "You don't cook." I was like, "No, no, no. That's like a that's like a phrase. That's like an expression." She's like, "Okay." Like whoever you're cooking for, like have fun. I was what? like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I said, I said, let me cook. That means like, you know, let me, let me do my thing. Like, let me get at it. She just. So now anytime that like someone tweets me and says like, oh, let them cook or something like I'll fucking send it right to her. Be like, see, I'm not lying. Like, that's just you're just old. And she's my age. We're born in the same year. I can so, explain on your behalf. But then she's she gonna gets think it I'm now just because you. I literally for until the day that we die, I will send her like people using that expression in the way that I said that I meant it. She thinks you'd actually cook. No, I mean, I, that's the thing is I don't cook. I never have. I, I can make a one eye jack. Do you know what that is? No. We'll hear about that next week because I got to go. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll be back with more Name Redacted Podcast next week. We love you guys. Go Sox! Woo! Spring training. Buenas noches, amigos.